Let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 19. We've got a, um, a big subject today. Some of you have read ahead and you've seen it. The last part of uh, a big section of chapter 18, though, uh, we looked at battles, you know, between people and, and in the church, sin in the church, and, and Jesus gave some steps that, uh, that to win people over, not to win the fight, but to win people over. And uh, number one was to go personally and privately to somebody you might be having some issue with. Number two was to take one or two others along. And, and, and to get to that step, you know, you kind of have, have to ask yourself, is this really important enough to get a bunch of, you know, get other people involved? Or is it just something that I'm all uh, making a, mole, a mountain out of a molehill, as someone said? Number three, where it gets involved in the, the whole church. And number four, if there's still no kind of movement, you know, he says to treat them as you would a tax collector or a pagan. That's kind of only as a last resort and only, only to restore. And, and uh, we talked about, you know, what Paul had to say in, in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians about those kinds of things. Jesus also talked about binding and loosing and the power of prayer when you get together and pray. And I think that that's should be at the heart of all of it that we have to get together and we have to pray. We need to pray. And God is doing uh, some great things through prayer here um, Get a couple of people together and pray, and you're going to see some things happen. And I know that by experience and by God's Word as well. And then there was a whole section, a huge section really, about forgiveness. <clears throat> and really the bottom line on that was that we have been forgiven, so we need to forgive. How many times should we forgive? Every time. Every time. That's it. That's good. Times without number. Times without number. There's no limit. Well, I've, I've forgiven him. I've forgiven uh, him, you know, seven times. Uh, and, and Peter was saying, you know, is seven enough? And Jesus said, not seven. Seventy-seven or seven times seven. And, you know, you know when you go into the f fair or different places and they have those little counters, and some of us have those in our back pockets, you know, we're counting, you know, up, you know, like counting how many times this thing happens. And, and Jesus said, you, you, you got to stop counting. Don't count. Just forgive. You've been forgiven. I stopped counting your sins, right? He's, he doesn't count ours. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he, has he removed our sins from us in the deepest parts of the ocean. It's like you can't, places you can't even get to. So today, the subject is marriage and divorce. Not just divorce, marriage and divorce. And I think that it's no coincidence that it comes after the section on forgiveness. This is the most important part of a marriage, and I think it can save, it could save many, many marriages. I want to ask the question to you today, though. How many of you here are, are affected by divorce? Just raise your hand. You are affected personally by divorce in one way or another. Just about everybody, really. You know, I think probably every, everybody in one way or another has been affected by it. And, and it's not an easy situation. Either our family or our friends or ourselves have been directly affected by it. It's not an easy situation. So we're going to look at that. We're going to talk about it. We're going to see what Jesus has to say about it and, and hopefully, uh, uh, you know, get some understanding about Jesus' perspective on it. Look at verse 19, uh, chapter 19, verse 1, 
When Jesus had finished saying these things, the things about forgiveness, he left Galilee, went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. And large crowds followed him and he healed them there. And some Pharisees came to test him and they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Any and every reason. She burned the toast. She put the toilet paper roll on wrong. He threw his socks on the floor. You know, this, the, any and every reason is it, you know, I, we, since I've been studying this, my wife and I have been kind of kidding about this uh, to each other. So that's it. That's grounds right there. You're, we're over. We're done. You, you can't look at me like that. No, it's, that's enough. We're done. You know, there were, there were two schools of teaching back then, and, and they were looking at Moses' teaching in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 24, and one was called the school of Shammai, and, and this school, they allowed divorce, but only for unfaithfulness. That's it. But then there was the liberal side, the school of Hillel, and they allowed divorce for any reason whatsoever, any reason. So if Jesus, again, they're trying to trap him, trying to test him, and, and if Jesus said yes, he would be on one side. If he said no, he'd be the, on the other side. What Jesus ends up doing, he answers neither, but he takes them back to the Scripture. And that's what you and I need to do. We can't look at the different, you know, who's teaching what. We need to see what the Bible says. What does the Word of God say? And that's what Jesus takes them back to the Scripture. As I said, divorce is a, is a pretty hot issue, isn't it? And some of you are, are uh, I, I know my folks were divorced and, I, you know, I I'm, you know, was directly affected by it and it's, it's not an easy thing. It's a painful thing. It creates a lot of hurt. But, you know, we have in our society, and I think it's pretty much uh, all the states now have gone to this. It started in California, I hate to say, because I'm from California, no-fault divorce. Pretty much you don't even need a reason. You, 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 can't, you don't even need to say that she burned the toast. It's just that's the way it is. I, I, I don't want to be married anymore. It's done. It's over. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, yeah, there's things that happen, and there are, are valid and, and grounds, so to speak, but I read this uh, on a website called smartmarriages.com, not a Christian website, but it says that there is a trend sweeping the country to make changes in legal codes to strengthen and stabilize marriages. States are getting involved because it's such a problem. It says there are two key thrusts emerging in state legislatures. The first involves changes in laws, in laws that would make it harder for couples to divorce. And the second involves efforts to encourage or mandate couples to participate in premarital counseling. It's hardly debatable that many of the society's ills can be traced to the continuing high rates of marital distress and divorce. So, so people are realizing, like, this is a problem. Like, we've gone too far. We've made it so easy to, to get divorced. It's just like nothing. 
And so the states are saying, and, and there's like pros and cons about both of these. You can go and read about it. It's a very interesting article. But, you know, to make it harder to get divorced and also harder to get married. Like, you can't get married until you, you know, go to premarital counseling. Well, we, well and, and they even say this in the article, that churches and religious organizations have been requiring that for a long, long time. And they already do that. We I, you know, we won't be involved in a marriage unless we do uh, premarital counseling. I just open your eyes a little bit to, to like what, you know, you're getting yourselves into. My wife's not in the room today. I can say a lot of things today. Make marriage harder to get. Now, nobody wants, and I, you know, one of the cons is, of course, nobody wants the government to control and get involved in all this stuff, Right? But they understand that there's a problem. So what does Jesus say? Jesus, again, he takes us back to Genesis. Look what it says there. Back to the scripture, what the creator planned. In verse 4, he says, his answer, Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Jesus takes it back. He says, haven't you read your Bibles? Aren't, you know, don't you want to know what God said about it, what the Creator said? He says, God's hand was in this thing from the very beginning. And the truth of it is, is that this is the very first institution that God gave to the human race. Now, some of you that are married, you, you understand the, the term, or well, you're, maybe you've got this picture in your mind for institution. You, you know, but that's just a generic word, right? Don't think you're institutionalized. It's an institution. It's something that was given, that was put together for the benefit of mankind, for the good of mankind, that God gave it. The very first thing that he says, this needs to get together. Later on, it was other things, government. Later on, you know, the, the church and, and other kinds of institutions. He says it was male and female, one woman, one man. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. There's this idea of leaving. And, and again, he set this up even before there were parents. It was Adam and Eve there. And, and he showed us that the marriage bond was higher than the parent-child bond. And sometimes some of the problems we see are because the parents get too involved in the lives of the children. Us parents need to be careful and know when to just back off and stay out. Get out of the picture. Let them work it out. Sometimes parents are too involved. He says to be united to in the... Uh, uh, one version calls it to cleave to, and um, the, the actual word means to be glued to, to be glued to. A man will leave his father and mother and be glued to his wife. You kind of get the picture, right? Super glue. Like it's, you're like glued to that person. And you kind of have to get this understanding of what marriage really is because divorce is breaking apart something that God has done. And if you're glued to somebody, this is why it's so painful. This is why it's so hurtful. They become one, no longer two, he says, Jesus said, no longer two, but one. 
something radical takes place, and this is God's design. And again, we're looking at, at the ideal, right? We're looking at the ideal, the principle that God has put in place for marriage. And, and yes, you know, we're, we're a sinful human race, and there's lots of problems, but, but the ideal from the very beginning, and this is even before the fall, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, is this, what, this is what God planned, that you'd be like so attached that two would now become one. God, God created marriage, one person said, to be a sacred permanent union and partnership between the husband and wife. This is the way God created it. This is the way God ordained it. This is what God planned. But look what it also says there in the last part of verse 6. He says, therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Again, this is something that God does in the marriage that God brings people together and God puts these people together to make one. God joins them. But you and I, man, the human race, you know, we have got a different kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, what, what God has joined together, man now separates. And there is this tearing apart. There is this heart-wrenching tearing apart too. One person said that you cannot divorce without ripping up the oneness of a person's being. You cannot divorce without ripping up the oneness of a person's being. This is not an easy thing that we're talking about here. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, which you can read that chapter, it's got a whole bunch of things. I'll quote some of them about divorce, about marriage, about remarriage. He says, to the married, I give this command, not I, but the Lord. He says, a wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and a husband must not divorce his wife. This is what the Bible says. This is not what the world says. The world says, oh, you know, your husband's put on a little weight. Maybe it's time to find another. I'd be in trouble. I like this, though. There are three chief causes of divorce in America. Men, women, and marriage. That's pretty much all it takes for us to get it messed up, right? Men, women, and marriage. That's all it takes. But so many, so many people think, and Billy Graham says this, that it's an easy way out. He says, divorce is an easy escape, many think. But the guilt and the loneliness they experience can even be more tragic than living with their problem. I've seen that to be true. It's so, it would be so much easier if I could just get out of this, if I could get away from this. And then you get out and you find out, wow, what happened? And, and I've seen the, the, the tragedy and the pain and the suffering. And people, uh, you know, what, ha- what I've seen over and over again as well is that, you know, the, the, the people... We each have our own issues that we bring to these marriages, and we think that if we leave this one, we'll go to the other one. It's going to be much, much better. And we get there and find out we've got the same problems. We just because we brought ourselves to the new problem, to the new situation, and you know, it it, it just doesn't go away like that that easy. They go on to to ask him some more questions. They said in verse seven, "Why then?" Jesus says, you know, hey, God's plan is, uh, you know, marriage, permanent, 
a union of two people becoming one. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. It was not this way from the beginning. Notice the two different words used there. They said, why did Moses command it? And Jesus said, Moses didn't command it, he permitted it. In fact, the the reason for that was actually to regulate it because they were completely out of control and the scripture came to say, listen, we've got to regulate this because you're completely out of control. You're divorcing for any and every reason. And it was actually a way to actually regulate it. But Jesus says that the reason that it was permitted, why was it allowed at all, was because of hardness of heart. Hardness of heart. Gets back to this thing about forgiveness. If we can't forgive, our hearts become hard. We get hard towards one another. Hardness of heart by one or even by both. David, David Guzik said, he's a pastor in California, he said sometimes the heart of the offending party is hard and they will not do what must be done to reconcile the relationship. The offending party. Sometimes the heart of the offended party is hard, and they refuse to reconcile, get past the offense, even when there is contrition and repentance, even when the person wants to, you know, is sorry for what they've done. But he says often the hardness of heart is on both sides. Both are just hard, hard, hard. Jesus knows like what we're like. We just get hard. We get hard against each other. And until we find that place where God would soften our hearts, we're going to be having these kinds of issues and these problems. It's really not that different, and Paul talks about the mystery of it in Ephesians chapter 5, the mystery of the relationship between God and, and the church or His people. But our relationship with God, you know, that are we hardened against Him? Are we, are, have we closed our hearts to him? I read this passage in Zechariah. I'm, I'm reading it um, in my reading, in uh, my own reading. It says that uh, they refuse to pay attention. And stubbornly they turned their backs and stopped up their ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. This kind of thing, I just won't listen anymore. My son was talking to me a few weeks back, and uh, he was telling me something, you know, and he was just like hammering on me, you know. And, and he was telling me something I didn't want to hear anymore, and I just went like this. You know how when you're a kid, you do that, and you just go, ah. And I was doing that because I, I, I didn't want to hear what he had to say. I was kind of kidding, but I was serious, too. I was telling him, stop, I've heard enough. He kept repeating himself. But... With God, you know, we, we can harden our hearts, but we can do it in our own relationships too. We don't, I don't want to hear you anymore. And we harden our hearts, and we, maybe we're not going around like this. I mean, God forbid, maybe you did that with your husband or your wife, you know. Your kids do it to you. I know that. But, you know, hold your hands over your ears and, and, and talk louder than them so that you don't have to hear what they have to say. We've got to soften our hearts so we'll listen. Well, what, what are they trying to say? I think guys are, have a harder time with this. That we, we're not paying attention. We're not listening. 
we're not observing and we're not dwelling with our wives according to knowledge is what uh, Peter talks about. Hardness of heart. Be careful. Be careful. Watch out for that. That's, that's, that's where it's all going to fall apart when the hearts get hard. But he said, he said, this is not the way from the beginning. It was not this way from the beginning, the, the marriage, the way he set it up. Verse 9, he gets, he gets even more difficult here. He, he says, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. Whoa. This is tough stuff that he's talking about. Mark doesn't even give us this, uh, what, what uh, some have called the exception clause. So we hear these words, you know, about divorce. Are there biblical grounds for Christians that, you know, are, are, are asking the hard questions about this? Are there biblical grounds? Well, I think, I think there are, are mainly, I should say, three biblical grounds. Jesus gives one here unfaithfulness. And the word is uh, the word porneia, which is a, a con- more broad than even just unfaithfulness, more a sexual misconduct, he says, if you want to look at grounds. The, the, really, the first one, though, I think is death. First one is death. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 7, a woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she's free to marry anyone she wishes but he must belong to the Lord. Now, don't any of you get any ideas about this? We kind of chuckle about that, but, you know, it happens. It happens. The third one that, uh, you know, we can look at in 1 Corinthians 7 as well is about is if an unbeliever leaves. We're called if, if we're married, and that's why premarital counseling, if one is a believer and another is not a believer, that we need to be careful and we need to, uh, you know, not go there. Don't be unequally yoked. But there are times when it, when it happens or it has happened or one becomes a believer after the marriage takes place. But Paul says, listen, if your husband or your wife is an unbeliever and they're pleased and they're happy to stay with you, then stay. Don't say, well, my husband or my wife's not a believer, so I can, I'm free to go. Now, if they decide to leave, Paul says that you're not bound in such circumstances. You're free. I think I, I think I would also add to this uh, uh, in cases of abuse. I think uh, at the very least separation, but I think it, it needs to be actual abuse, not, again, uh, burning the toast and minor things that we kind of make into larger things. Well, that's abuse. But real abuse is very dangerous, and I, and I don't think there's any... I think there's at least uh, needs to be separation to protect the people that are involved in the situation. And I would always say that. What happens down the road? Well, we have to deal with that. And every situation is different. I understand that. Every relationship is different, and you've got to deal with each situation. But Jesus says that when there, when there are no real grounds, he says this is what it will be, that, that, that it would be committing adultery. One, it says there, if, if uh, would go on to marry another, uh, um, there in the bottom of verse 9, anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. 
So in the case of no real grounds, that's what he says it will be. It would be adultery. But the thing about it is, if you, if you think about this carefully, as soon as it happens, what? Guess what? There are grounds, right? David Guzik, again, he says these words, there are also many situations where a marriage is separated or divorced for reasons that do not fulfill the biblical allowance for divorce, but later... One or more of the spouses goes on to give uh, biblical allowance, often by marriage or sexual relations with another. You see what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not a tricky thing. I mean, it's not a, an easy thing to deal with. Now, some would take this view that looking at this verse here and others, that, that the person who is divorced can never, ever go forward, can never, ever be remarried. Again, if there are no biblical grounds, no biblical basis for it, you can never get married. But, but, I, but this is what I, what I believe about this, is that yes, it was definitely wrong what was done, but there is forgiveness for our sin. And that I, I do not believe that divorce is the unforgivable sin. I do not believe that a person who has been divorced has this scarlet D on their backs throughout the rest of their lives. Jesus, again, speaking here, he's, he's, he's giving us the teaching to keep us from taking that path. But there are a lot of things that are wrong in this life, and, and you know we do a lot of things wrong because we're sinners, and, and yes, it is sin, and without, without uh, uh, God's allowance, the biblical allowance. But look what the disciples' response is. Now, this is the Pharisees, not the Pharisees. This is the disciples in verse 10. They hear all this going on. The disciples, or the Pharisees brought this all up. But the disciples now in verse 10, they say, Whoa, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it's better not to marry. If that's the way it is, that it's a lifetime commitment, then just forget it. I don't even want to go there. It's way too hard, way too much, way too long. I don't know if you, you know this, but um, you heard, uh, you know, Bob Gore, uh, not Bob Gore, uh, um, um, Al Gore, Bob Gore, that's my stepfather's name, sorry. <laughs> Al Gore and him and his wife, they decided to get divorced, right, after what was it, like 40 years? And, and I, I heard people on the, on the news, on the, on, you know, wow. I guess that's not so bad. They did pretty good. They, they, you know, I, and they say, and they said this, I, I guess we could consider that a success because they just didn't want to be married anymore. No, no, no grounds. No, you know, this one didn't cheat. They all, you know, the news, they want to go try to find the, you know, the reasons and all that stuff. But they just said, well, we just don't want to be married anymore. So they considered that a success because they made it that long. I don't think so. I don't think so. It's a lifetime commitment. And, 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 and the disciples are saying, well, it's better not to, to be married. And, and I, think, I think that, you know, many are saying that today. We've been hurt by divorce and there's this fear of commitment. And so now it's either I won't get married or, or let's just live together. And that's wrong also. 
Jesus said, look in the, in the later part of this chapter. I know the context is different, but I, I think there's a principle there in, in verse 23. He was talking about, you know, how hard it is for a rich man. He says, I tell you the truth, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of, of heaven. And he says, again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the, the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Who then can stay married? We're sinners. Who then can stay married? Is it even possible? But he says, with God, all things are possible. With man, you know, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And he will help us if we do it his way. If we have things like forgiveness, if we have uh, a keep a soft heart towards one another, if we communicate, if we listen, if we learn how to, to you know, live together in an understanding way, God will help us if we follow his word. Look at verse 11, though. He says, not, Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only to those to whom it has been given. And I think he's re referring to those who would be better not to marry. Some are called not to marry. It's a gift, though. He says it's a gift. Only to those to whom it has been given. A gift not to marry. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, I wish that all men were as I am, which was single. But each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift and another has that. Now to the unmarried and widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. In other words, if you don't have that gift, don't try to pretend you do. Don't try to have a gift that you don't have. Verse 12 said, For some are eunuchs because they were born that way. Others were made that way by men. Others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. And the one who can accept this should accept this, should accept it. Lots of different people in different circumstances and, and what has happened to them in life. But the, the last one he talks about there, those who have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, they, they made that decision. They have that gift to serve God and, and they have given up marriage. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 7 because, let's face it, when you do get married, and Paul says it, he says, an unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs, her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit, but a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. So, you know, our, our interests are divided when we cross over. So, a person who is single, he's saying, can, can have a full, full attention on serving God. But he says the one who can accept this should accept it. So again, to accept what God has called us to, what God has 
given us, but even, and he says this later in 1 Corinthians 7, the, the current circumstances that we have, he says, we need to be able to accept our current circumstances, whether that's single or whether that's married. You know, the truth is, no matter what, you, no matter what your situation is, you're gonna, you, you know, the natural tendency is to want something else, to want something different. The grass is always greener on the other side. People that are single saying, I wish I was married, I wish I was married. Well, you're not right now, so you need to see what God, is, what, what God has put in front of you, what he, how He has placed you, and, and open your heart to serve Him completely and totally. And if you're married right now, you need to see that, you know, I wish I was single. Boy, I, don't, I can't deal with this marriage thing. It is an institution. And, and if I, you know, could just get out of this and get rid of this, then I could do so much more. No, you need to stay where you are and do what God's called you to do now within the situation, the circumstances that you find yourself. Each one should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned him and to which God has called him, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7. He says, are you married? Don't seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. It's, you know, trying to do something different, trying to, as David Guzik, I'll read one more quote by David. He says, to undo the past. He says, in the context one of Paul's ideas in, in 1 Corinthians 7 with this statement was a warning about trying to undo the past in regard to relationships. He said, God tells us to repent of whatever sin is there and then to move on. If you're married to your second wife after wrongfully divorcing your first wife and become a Christian, or even if you already were, I would add, don't think that you must now leave your second wife, go back to your first wife, trying to undo the past. As the Lord has called you, walk in that place right now. We want to go back and try to fix everything that happened. The past is the past. We need to move on into the future and, and what God has placed us now, where God has us now. It's kind of complicated, isn't it? I think the... I think what I would say was, and we do say this to people, you need to think twice about getting married. You need to think three times or four or five. A lot of times you need to think about before you get married because you, you don't know unless you, till you get there what you're getting yourself into. Again, it's a good thing. The Proverbs say, you know, a man you know, receives favor from the, from the Lord when he receives a wife. But I think, I think it's just as important after reading these words and the seriousness of what divorce is, is that we need to think twice or three times or more before getting divorced. And I want to add this too, that even when there are grounds, even when there are grounds for divorce, think about it very carefully because God can still heal. Sometimes, and I've seen it, you know, sometimes when there are grounds for divorce, that God, you know, restores that relationship and makes it more incredible than it ever, ever was before. That's not to say that, you know, it was a good thing that happened, whatever, whatever happened in the situation. So, I'll give you, tell you a couple of stories here real quick from a pastor called Erwin Lutzer. He's on the radio. I believe he's passed away, though. <clears throat> the story about a woman and her husband 
who came to the pastor and said, you know, we're going to get a divorce, but we want to come and make sure that you approve of it. He said, there are people who come to the pastor hoping that when they say there's no feeling left in, in their marriage, the pastor will say, well, if there's no feeling left, then the only thing you can do is split. Instead, the pastor says to the husband, the Bible says you're to love your wife, your wife as Jesus Christ loved the church. And he says, oh, I can't do that. And so the pastor says, if you can't begin in that level, then begin on a lower level. You're supposed to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Can you at least love her as you would a neighbor? The pastor says, no, that's still too high. The, the husband says, no, that's still too high. And the pastor says, well, the Bible says, love your enemies. Begin there. <laughs> and there's another one. woman came to the lawyer and she says, I want to get a divorce. I really hate my husband. I want to hurt him. Give me some advice. And in addition to wanting to get the gold and, and really hurt him, she was wondering about some other way that she might do him in. Talk about hardness of heart, right? And the attorney said this, look, you're going to divorce the guy anyway, so for three months, don't criticize him. Speak only well of him. Build him up. Every time he does something nice, commend him for it. Tell him what a great guy he is and do that for three months. And after that, he, after that he has your confidence and love, hit him with the news and it will hurt him even more. So the woman thought, you know, I can't go wrong with this. I'm divorcing the guy anyways. Why should I speak badly about him anymore? I'm going to speak only well of him and do those things. So she complimented her husband. For three months, she told him what a great man he was. And you know what happened? After three months, they forgot about the divorce and went on a second honeymoon. Incredible. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think it's true that the way we treat each other comes back to us. I think there's a big biblical principle there that... If, you know, if you look at the picture again of us being one, if you treat that other person badly, guess who you're hurting? You're hurting, you're hurting yourself. We're hurting ourselves because if we're one, that person is part of me. And if I'm hurting that person, I'm hurting me too. See, there's a book I read years ago. He says, husbands, do, your, do yourselves a favor and love your wives. It comes back to us. So, I know we, you know, in, in such a short period of time to look at all these, these very complicated issues and every situation is different and there's a lot of uh, other things that, you know, that, that, that we can talk about and my wife and I are always willing and happy to talk with people about, about what the Bible says about things and, and to pray together uh, about it. But maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your heart. Maybe you, you know what it's like about being divorced or being single. I think any situation, every one of these situations, we need to bring them to God. We need to bring our hearts before God and soft and listen to what he has to say. He's the one that will help us. With man, it is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together, shall we?